we are again. Yeah. Nice. Seems a bit quick this time, but of course, with the summer holidays being here and you not being around and going on holiday, yep. then uh, we thought we'd do one one week after the other. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. In fact, we only released one this morning. Yeah. But you can still um, release this one on the 1st of August, let's say. I think we will do. Yeah. I think we'll drop this one. Welcome to the August podcast 2023. <laughs> yes. Now we have to, because I've said it. Good. Yeah, levels are going. We're in a lazy mood, but that's because we've already just done a, a podcast, well, a video. Yeah, how, how do you call these things then? A, a video cast? Uh, well, anyway, we, we had a very nice interview with uh, Amy Diamond. We didn't interview him, he interviewed oh, he, us. Yes, exactly, yeah. Is it a vlog? Or is that really old-fashioned? I think it's also called a podcast, but it's just on video and not audio only. It's not confusing at all, is it? No, I know, I know. I, so that's why I just like to call it an interview. What was the favorite question you asked? Which question did you like oh, best? Oh, uh, the, the Dear Jeff question. That was, that was brilliant. <laughs> it blew my mind, that yes. did. I couldn't remember any of the Dear Jeff nope. stuff. It's been quite some time since we had one. Yeah, we'll have to think we can find a dear Jeff for today, just to, for Ami to, to yes. smile at. Yes, yes. So, Ami Diamond, uh, it was very, very much a privilege to have joined your uh, YouTube channel. All those people that are going to see my ugly face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yes. And Moraine was very serious. Yes, I tried to be. You tried. Yes. I think that was good. For once. He did ask one or two really neat questions. I liked the ideas. The one about the MVPs was interesting. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so he obviously thought it out really quite well. So that's oh, hopefully yeah. that's come yeah. out okay. Yeah. And that we're all kind of good to go. So that's nice. fine. Heavy subject today, I think. Um, yes, but also uh, one that will probably contain... A lot of golden nuggets. You and your golden nuggets. Yes. I'm going to have to create some stickers, aren't we, around golden nuggets? <laughs> Office 365 <laughs> distilled golden nuggets. Yeah, I actually, at, at some point, I was thinking, like, what if I could get all the uh, past episodes that we've done, import them into an AI tool and say, okay, just give me all the golden nuggets that we had throughout all the episodes. And then we could uh, create a little book from them and then give that to listeners or sell it even, maybe. Whenever you're ready. Yeah, whenever AI is ready to <laughs> say, okay, just feed me uh, 150 feed me. episodes. And uh, yeah. Yeah, AI at the moment can't do all the processing power to be able to do the uh, conversion from audio to and no, you exactly. can do a lot of stuff yeah uh, but we can do the transcripts yeah but then i need to create transcripts from all the episodes oh, feed them all into chat gpt too much work jeez oh, but yes. then you could become a published scholar but if we did it by ai we'd have to tag it with the new generated watermark. ai water watermark yeah well, i wonder whether that would de devalue the data I mean, I understand why they're doing it, yeah? And, and guys, yes. if you hadn't heard, um, uh, in the US, uh, Biden put together, uh, you'll probably remember, 
five or six weeks ago we had that commission and everybody spoke about their AI stuff and stuff uh, and how it was being protected or not being protected and and uh, the Twitter guy decided to tell everybody how bad it all was and yeah. AI is going to mm-hmm. be dangerous. Who I also read is developing his own chipsets because he can't get enough NVIDIA ones for his yeah. uh, AI yeah, yeah, machines. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so but one of the outcomes from that is that there's a voluntary sign-up which Microsoft and Google and all the big guys have already signed up to to obviously do the ethics stuff. But watermark content generated by AI. So does that mean that Copilot will also have to throw a watermark on anything it creates in Office 365? Hey, create me a 10-slide PowerPoint from this meeting and then it would have a A a huge watermark on everything. Generated by AI. That would be pretty useless. Distracting. Yeah. (laughs) But it does, I mean, working with this stuff is not, um, let me start again. If you generate things using ChatGPT or other AI tools, Mm -hmm. it's not simple work. It's not the work of a moment. It's not three sentences has just saved me five days work. Exactly. So some ways I wonder whether the watermark is going to devalue some of this stuff. So... If if I know that AI is going to create a PowerPoint presentation for me, but there is some kind of watermarking system on there, then um, I'm not going to do it. it mm. You know, it doesn't matter who you are. No, I I think the thing is, so the, the thing that uh, Copilot will create will have a watermark, but because you're going to... Um, adapt and modify it anyway probably because you're gonna take a look at it and you're gonna rewrite some of the things you're gonna probably. take the sensible sensible approach and not to be lazy yeah well actually it's very funny i got asked to write a little blog post about experts life in prague and i thought okay instead of me writing it all by myself i said it, I, I asked chat gpt to write it and to be honest, it came up with a brilliant blog post. Um, so much more funny and witty than, than I could have written it. But I did rewrite some of the passages, some of the things that were... Of course. There, there was a, a, a whole paragraph around swag. And I have no idea if there's going to be swag. So I just removed that and I rewritten some of the other things. So... If that would come with a watermark, I would have probably uh, get rid of the watermark because I've changed it. And mm. I've approved it as a human to say, okay, this yeah, was not... That, I was thinking the same. There has to be some conditions when humans have got involved in something. Exactly. Um, but it was just an interesting thought about whether it actually devalues, devalues mm-hmm. this thing. Yeah. We should also remind everybody that um, if you want to join us for dinner on October the 13th at the South Coast Summit, then uh, you need to hashtag on um, Twitter uh, the following. Are you looking at me to say I shouldn't do this? No, no, no. That's go fine. go ahead. But so, I, I can't remember the hashtag oh, okay, that's at fine. this moment. So uh, at Office365Distilled, that will get you onto uh, our channel. And then the hashtag is hashtag Stephen Moraine 007. And if you are one of the uh, six early people confirmed that you are going to be at South Africa Summit, you can join us at the dinner 
on Friday the 13th. Exactly. Friday the 13th. I can't <laughs> believe we're doing it on Friday the 13th, the unluckiest day of the, uh, the period. Uh, and uh, yes, after our workshop, which we will be doing on governance, mm-hmm. then we will uh, we're going to have dinner, have some fun. Yes. So come and join us at that table. It will be cool. And Moraine says you have to dress as a Bond girl. I remember that podcast yes. last time. I actually said as a Bond woman. A Bond but woman. I meant, I meant a Bond girl. Yes. No, uh, we, we're going to dress up, but you don't have to. It's uh, Austin Powers, which is Justin Powers' brother. Yes. Uh, Austin Powers. Uh, and, uh, of course, James Bond would be the other choice. Yeah. So I think I'm going to uh, go there dressed in white and gold swimming trunks. And I'll be the James Bond that just comes out of the water, you know, in, uh, followed by Diana Rigg in, uh, in the very first James Bond movie. Yeah. So that's what I'll probably do. Nice. With my hairy legs. Yeah. <laughs> Whiskey is today. Yeah. We're going local. We are going local, exactly. So the dear people from the Molenberg Distillery, one of my, well, actually my f- most favorite um, distillery in belgium mm. uh came out with their newest selection mm. um the the members only selection and it's called the damjon the damjon oh is there a reason for the name by the way um i probably uh i think damjon was i think it was one of the bells in the cathedral basilic oh, okay. kind of thing or it was a cannon one of the two. <laughs> a cannon or a bell? One of the two. I, I think I vaguely remember a Doesn't story matter. about that. Well, I've not tasted this, uh, but no. it's, it's interesting in that it's been in a... a Six years in an Armagnac barrel. barrel. Armagnac barrel. Yes. So that'll be interesting to yeah. taste. So that's going to come at the end. Yeah. So in the meantime, what we're going to do is we're going to go through um, the model that we have developed uh, around uh, governance. Mm-hmm. So we spent a lot of time doing the ADCAR model last time. Yeah. Uh, and we have our model around government, which has the proprietary, proprietary, <laughs> copyrighted <laughs> Stephen Moraine 007. You're not allowed to use it without paying us lots of money uh, with the natty title of Dwarp. Yes. We really need to work on that. At <laughs> <laughs> car sounds better than drop. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Drop. Anyway, so um, we did cover this on a, a, a small uh, outline. So we're going to sign and dig down a little bit into what the model, what the module of the governance course that we're going to do on the 13th. Of course, if it appeals to you, then you need to get off to Farnborough uh, on the 13th of October and join us for that workshop where this will be uh, part of that workshop in the morning sometime. So yes. it's a D-R-A-A-P. D-R-A-A-P. Yeah, I might have to try and put that into a rap. Is that a little respect? Yeah, uh, kind of not quite. Actually, a funny, funny story about that respect song from Aretha. Everybody knows Aretha the Aretha Franklin, Franklin yeah. version, but it's actually, um, how do you written call that? By Played and written by somebody else before that. It was a man. It was. And when you hear the man sing it, like I need a little respect when I come home. It's a totally a different, different vibe yeah, than when agreed. Arita sings. I need a little respect when I come home. I didn't know the name of the guy, so I've I've stepped up here to open Mr. Google. I thought that when when I when I first heard that version of that guy, I think two years ago, I was I was pretty amazed by that. 
Yeah, it was a sign of the times, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Otis Redding, of course. Yeah, the big Otis. Uh, but at the at the time, of course, uh, yeah, it had its problems. There's no doubt about that. Of course. All right, cool. So yes, that's the story about respect. Is that the golden nugget from this podcast? <laughs> maybe, maybe. So uh, we we need a little drop when we. Not come home, but when we get to work, we need a little drop. Drop. So it stands for Divine Review, Adapt, Approve, and Publish. And it's going to be covering governance uh, around that model. And we're going to break down each of those areas and sort of just cover some of the things that need to be involved and covered within there. And, of course, when we do this, we're going to be focused on why and what value and how. Because this is a very practical governance course so that's basically what we're looking to try and do yes all righty so i guess we should just step in then let's yes exactly so the module itself the overview it's it's a methodology i think it's not really a model is it's a methodology Methodology. is adcar a model or a methodology i think it's a method it's a model for a methodology oh it's both then Mm, yes but now you're right i think there are it's a model on how to approach it. So that, in my view, makes it a methodology. So should we do a podcast on whether this is a methodology or a model yes. before we start? Yes. <laughs> that would be really, truly not very exciting. No, 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 no. And uh, uh, we, we also need to uh, start with defining the roles uh, when we are talking about this methodology, who is going to do what and all that. Yeah, so because we, it's definitely a people and process uh thing yeah uh, and mm-hmm. that's where the the the, the secret ingredient is yeah, people secret sauce <laughs> um all right so we broke down roles into three groups mm-hmm. um a steering committee for governance which i think is absolutely crucial yep. uh, that's basically got a mixture of business and technical people in there that that supports governance for uh, and we're mainly talking about microsoft 365 in this space Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we have the governance manager who's responsible for making sure it happens and, and it's uh, in play. And we'll talk about some of the roles of of that one. And then there's a bunch of operational teams yes. that need to adhere to and work towards and work with the outputs of that governance. So I think when we talk about the, the committee, typically, who would we put on that committee? Everyone. Everyone. Or no one. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry. Um, who would we put on that uh, team? So uh, in the past, when we did our little project together, um, we had a bunch of uh, business people um, on that uh, team. We did, from various representation. I think that's quite important. Yeah. So, And it needs to be senior leaders from those departments. Yes. So it needs to you know, the senior IT person, or not the senior, but a senior yes. IT person. Um, Why? Obviously. Why is that? Well, because they're going to come and make decisions and they're going to feed into that. Yeah. So the steering committee is about approving things. Mm-hmm. And of course, you need somebody that's got a wider view of you know, the implications um, of governance and also whether having governance will annoy people. So for example, let's assume we decided that for external guest, guest accounts, we are going to get them to be approved every four weeks. 
Mm-hmm. Because from a security perspective, if somebody leaves, you want to close the account down as soon as possible. And so we may decide to set a workflow that says, look, the manager of an external person must confirm every four weeks that that person is still there. Yeah. But four weeks might just be too soon. Mm-hmm. It might not be long enough from a security perspective, but from a business perspective and the workload that is generated by it, it just might be too much. Yeah. And so we need the senior manager to turn around and say, actually, I'm not going to allow that. My managers will not approve of that regularly. And there might be some compromise to be had. So you want to be able to make decisions. The last thing you want a steering committee to do is to go, you know, I'll go and check with my team and then I'll come back to you. It's a a board that has to define things and approve things and action them. And it's more strategic. So it's about strategic governance in our our case from the Microsoft 365. So consequently, um, that's why it needs to be a senior person from people like HP, uh, sorry, HP, HR, legal, business units, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So we need a good representation of the business in there and yes and the people that need to approve and drive those governance and also yeah. answer questions about them too of course yeah so that's yeah. key and important yeah. um and so the the board will ensure align uh, alignment between the governance rules as i just said and the business processes so they need to understand what they are again senior yeah. kind of management yeah. kind of roles they need to know how people are working in order to def- decide if this new way of working will help them or annoy them yeah i agree I, I think it's important it will almost certainly annoy them so you're going to also need to have somebody that can sit down and say you know i was aware but we approved this because it stops the company being at risk with x y and z yeah. or it means we're compliant with this kind of rule and regulation and that also will help us later on when we've defined the governance to also communicate that out and to uh, help uh, drive the um, the awareness and the and the knowledge and the ability of our uh, governance methodology. Well, our governance plan. I agree. Yeah. I agree. So that would be the, the steering committee. Um, uh, there's obviously going to be some doers on there as well, mm-hmm. and I think one of those doers would be the Microsoft 365 governance manager, which is our next person on our list. Yeah. So this is the person that you know, works in Microsoft 365, carries most of the responsibility for the service levels and for the service to be delivered. So this is going to be an IT person. Generally, it will be an IT person. We're not talking about the project manager. We're talking about the architect lead kind of role or the, um, you know, the person that is responsible for the service levels of the product Mm -hmm. and has some technical knowledge of what it can actually do. Yeah, technical uh, implications of... uh, the decisions that exactly. they're being made. Yes. He's also responsible for delivering it. Yeah. So as he's rolling out new servers like OneDrive, for example, and we say, hey, we're going to allow sharing, but it must be a guest account and that, you know, those kinds of things. He would be the person that then needs to, to make sure that it gets implemented. Mm. Will he also be the one that rides the actual governance plan? Uh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe, especially from the technical perspective, I would think mm-hmm. so. from a business perspective um, obviously we're expecting the business to chip in here Mm -hmm. but i think from a technical perspective i would i would have this kind of role in there Mm -hmm. all right i think they're also responsible for the risks associated with it identifying gaps and saying hey microsoft have just brought out this x and y upgrade meaning that we now need to adjust accordingly yeah so i think that's also quite uh, quite important so he needs to bring those new developments to the uh, gov- uh, governance uh, board or the governance committee. Yep, 
yeah, all the changes yeah. and that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, I okay. think that's cool. And then I think the next role, it's not really an individual, is all the operational teams that are responsible for executing and maintaining these policies. So, for example, we talked about external guest users, mm -hmm. and we've decided that a guest user has to be approved every six weeks, if that's what we've decided. Then, obviously, that policy needs to be written, yeah. and it also needs to be part of the testing for any changes that might come on the, the tenant, where we mm -hmm. update stuff, Microsoft updates stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and those operational teams could well be uh, amongst any number of different departments. Yeah. So like uh, security people, compliance people, data managers, yeah, yeah. the admins. Exactly. Yeah. We talked last podcast about all the different roles uh, that we would have on a M365 project or rollout. Yep. So yeah, a lot of these would be... Uh, on there as well yeah no i think so so and, and they will each have their own managers and their own responsibilities and they will be the people that report ultimately the loop will be closed where we report back to the governance board to confirm things are done uh, and they would also be responsible for auditing and all that kind of stuff around the around these changes yeah that's cool uh, do you want to hear something funny so sure. you know Ami kept joking about us when we was on his interview earlier about not recording stuff. Yeah, we, we were trying to be serious all the time and he was always joking. <laughs> but I was just about to fall into the trap of leaning on the table. Oh, and of course lean it, the leaning on the table yeah, turns mm. that on and off. So I sort of stopped myself and I had Amy's voice Amy's voice Ami. Ami? Actually I didn't pronounce his name. I would say Army, but Army Diamond. We'll go with Army Diamond. So his voice was echoing in my head about you know yeah. not recording. Don't so. do that. Don't do no, that. I won't yeah. go anywhere near. It. I will stay here. All right. So yes, I think that um, our our model stroke methodology methodology um, is obviously going to be driven by, approved by, uh, or involved with uh, those kinds of roles, and they'll be different for each organization, of course. Um, some of them might even be external contracts, managed services. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, equally, it's all part of that process. Yeah, but these are, if you want to do Microsoft 365 governance in a good way, in a practical way, in a way that is driven by the business, these would be the, the, the three main... Um, uh, Key players. Yes, exactly. Key groups. That you need, yes. So and it's hierarchical as well. So the ops teams generally will be driven by the governance manager and the mm -hmm. governance manager will be driven by the policies set by the steering committee. Yeah. All right. But don't Makes undervalue sense. this. Don't uh, undervalue. Don't underestimate the work that you need to put in to, to make this happen. It's oh, quite yeah. difficult. Yeah, yeah, of course. And, yeah. and also, because you're going to have a lot of business people on there, you also need to make sure that you've got the approval of their managers for them to do the work they need to do and that yes. kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, because it's there's a lot of chicken and egg um, talk here because the operational teams, they will want to start building a lot of things. But yeah, jump they, straight in. <laughs> yeah, but the business, they don't know what the tools can deliver. So I think there's a... Uh, a nice piece of work for the governance managers to um, to to handle those things on both sides. No, They're in I between agree. a rock and a hard place. Yep, I get that. That's I think that's done. All right. So the methodology then. Let's kind of break that down uh, a little bit. So as I said, we had define, review, adapt, approve, and publish. Mm -hmm. Okay, and we've got different sections within each one. So yeah. Um, 
the definition. So mm-hmm. uh, what is the first area in terms of the definition that we need to think about? The first consider? thing that we need to think about is uh, identifying the key stakeholders from all the business areas that we have. Yeah, uh, you can't do any of this without really bringing in the business and it's uh, it's key and crucial to do that. When we were managing stuff for some of our past customers, um, the input came from the business about the things that need to be governed and controlled. <clears throat> and by having them on board, when we issued new policies or changed the way something was considered, you know, acceptance and adoption was easy. Yeah, because they'd already bought into the decision and laid the foundation. Yeah. So not only does it allow you to make sure you've got the details and things that you actually need, but it also gives you gets you a long way down the line of making something happen and and actually putting it in play. So is this actually um, creating our uh, governance steering committee? Is this actually um, getting all the right people from the business uh, on board? Uh, to be sitting in that steering committee? I don't think so. I I, I think that um, there's a lot of people that needs to be talked to and spoken to, but they don't all need to be decision makers. Okay. Okay. So, for example, research and engineering. Yeah, they're Mm -hmm. probably part of some kind of production organization, um, but you wouldn't necessarily want those on your steering committee. Um, but you might want to be able to make sure that their content is appropriately tagged and identified from within the area that needs to be covered. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that you, there's still a, a wider audience here. Uh, okay. But you basically yeah. need to talk to the creators. So this is this is all about talking to the business to get all the requirements in. Yeah, I think so. I think it's if it was me... Um, Part of the communications from IT, because inevitably IT owns most of this stuff, yeah. rightly or wrongly. I mean, it shouldn't be there necessarily, but mm-hmm. it is. So I think that, you know, regular surveys, uh, helping people understand about things like sensitivity labels, et cetera, et cetera, where you're going to put a lot of your governance and control in, new accounts, old accounts, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, <clears throat> I think you'd be communicating with those and then testing the market with surveys and questions to understand uh, I think it's a constant journey. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I kind of identifying those stakeholders is is a is a key part of the process. All right. Okay, cool. Um so how how would you go and get a list of those people? That's um going to be different for every organization. Um I think the standard response here is it depends. Um, <laughs> nice. Uh, it, it is going to. I mean, if you have an organization that is a production organization, then you're going to have 80% of your workforce that is going to be putting things in boxes, screwing things together, mm-hmm. um, and they're really not going to drive much of your governance as such, but yeah. they are going to be the operators of it. So yeah. there's a level of feedback that they will get, which is about if we implement this and you have to do X and Y, is it going to affect the way that you produce or create those products? So that's the an end result or the, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? The consequence uh, of your governance action will need to be measured and assessed. Yes, but I, I was mainly talking about how do I get the list with all those names? Oh, um, Do I talk to the senior people and say, okay, from your business area, give me all... 
me a number of people that I really need to talk to? Yes. That might be the easiest one. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I have no real idea. I, I, I think it just depends, again, yeah. on on both the numbers. You're right. I was uh, distracted a little bit uh, in terms of the response. Um, but there'll also be key players as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's that. And don't forget some of the uh, ancillary people here. So do you need to bring the Works, Works Council involved in any way, shape, or form? God, no. <laughs> yeah, but it, it might be. Yeah. Well, you you don't really want them to suddenly hear about it at the last minute. That's true, yes. So if there's significant change, then... So it may well be that. Mm-hmm. And there's always there's always the classic secretary of the CEO. Oh, that, that's that's like the number one yep. most important person in the organization. So that way all of your information gets back to the right place. and yep. you know. So, yeah, it's an interesting process where you find these people. And I've got the sudden yawnies, and I'm not sure whether it's the whiskey we had earlier or not, or oh. whether I'm just cold. Okay. Oh no, he's getting it's I've got you started over. now. Oh no. All so, right. Good. All right. So um yes, yeah, so identifying them and clarifying their roles and responsibilities is important. We got a list. Yes. And um, then making so, sh- making sure their managers know what you're expecting from them so that yeah. it's not extra work being mm-hmm. given, but it's uh, something they have time to deliver. Yes. Very important. How do we have an idea of uh, percentage-wise, how many people would that be? Say, if we have a 1,000-person organization, how many people would we need to talk to? Great question, no answer. Okay. I, I think um, different organizations, so again, production people, where 80% is people on the factory floor mm. doing stuff, you'll have less people. Yeah, exactly. If you've got an organization where... If, well, let's tell you what, let's take some examples. If we take Heineken, mm-hmm. all right, just because I did some work for them some time ago, we have 132 different operating companies around the world. Yeah. All right. And there, some of them are on little islands where there's about six breweries. Some of them are in Africa and a section of Africa where they've got 200 breweries. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking to be able to get some feedback from them, I don't know how, where, you, I don't even know where I would start with that. Probably at the top part of the triangle of the business and they ignore everything below yeah so you'd have a different approach listen we're going to do this governance but you have to push this down through your organization because i can't do that this is just not feasible no. they will probably be they will probably have their own m365 governance managers uh who knows for their you, own if, region or you're probably like going to set this all up but yeah there'll be it managers and yep. stuff in place so but you have a different approach to that than mm-hmm. if you had 500 people in a factory producing bicycles yeah so, so actually for a company like heineken you'd probably want to introduce a solution like coreview for example uh that could defi- divide uh, the the different uh, yeah business organizations maybe and then yeah but well, you need different governance in place especially yeah. I mean one of the biggest difficulties of course if you've got countries like Germany where it's a very mm-hmm. strong yeah. workers council then you're going to may need to put different kinds of governance in place exactly. like Microsoft yeah. do if you're in China yeah you know you you will have different rules and regulations yeah so but I think we're getting too complicated yes so I think we're digging down a little yeah, bit yeah, in yeah. terms of of where we're at we've so, got so many more steps to cover yeah we have yeah. a little bit yeah but I think the key part about the definition the number one part is defining um, the rules and policies and procedures that are going to drive this governance 
because mm, if you don't yeah. have those documented okay or written up or available online for people to see they'll have you'll have no way no chance of actually def- of enabling any kind of governance it's yeah. not the kind of stuff you can do with a fluffy conversation around a cup of coffee i'm, I'm actually working on a project right now i, I just started one and the, uh, the 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 governance documents that are there are very poor. So you keep telling me, my friend. <laughs> so I think somebody needs to take a really hard, long look at those and well, set basically, them up properly. Uh, they were baseline governance documents. Yeah. So they were they were written to outline the application and how the application would work. Two years uh, ago. With uh, yes, that's right. Yes. And with fuck you. And and then the idea was uh, how we should set this stuff up. Yeah, but uh, I, I so get it. Did you, you did it. You didn't go to the adapt stage for those governance documents yet. Not so. yet. No, yeah, we're yeah, only yeah, at the first exactly. two stages. Yeah. No, but it's, it's a very valid point. And and I knew the fact that we were just too busy to go back and visit them. And also, to be fair as well, actually. We haven't finished rolling them out yet, so True. we uh, we've still got the OneDrive ones, for example, mm-hmm. uh, and the the uh, MS Teams ones, which we probably have fun yeah. rolled out. So yes, they need work on, um, but yes. that's part of wh- where we're going with this with this exactly. thing. But thank you for reminding me about those. You're going to do this constantly, aren't you? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great model. I mean, uh, uh, to be honest, I think it's worth touching on on what we did there. Um, it's a very small team, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a brand new Microsoft 365 environment. Yeah. Um, and uh, I did not want to pay for uh, an external team to come and do the work because yeah. I, I wanted my team to actually learn how to do it. Yeah. So we paid for uh, outline a very expensive consultant uh, we that paid might for. take on that role. No, no, forget where you're at at the moment. Um, but what we paid for the um, partner company to do mm-hmm. was to build those documents for us. We said, hey, look, this is our governance. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. Describe it in a document and yeah. then give us all of the steps we need to do to implement it so yeah. that we knew what we were implementing. Yes. And I agree, at that point we stopped. Yes. Uh, but some of those things have still not been finalized yet. But you are right. They need but to be fine. reviewed. That's fine. So at, when we come to the publish, uh, stage, we will publish a, uh, a, a SharePoint site around Microsoft 365. And the governance documents will be on there. Uh, yes, but I don't think it'll be those governance documents because those those were the baseline governance yeah, documents. Yeah, the, and you the need ones to pull that are finalized. Yeah. Yes, because we're now in the define and the review stage. Yeah. While when we adapted them and uh, we got them approved, then they will be published in their own nice little space no i agree so All right. it, so at this point at the, the definition stage you do need to establish the rules policies and procedures um and uh and make sure that uh you know you have them clear and signed off yes by the various yes. stakeholders that mm-hmm. we've talked about earlier yeah and we'll get to the approved stage there so that's definition or define mm-hmm. i like this little argument we had because it got my adrenaline going nice good <laughs> cool um, I really should just also minimize this thing here a little bit so I can see how far we are got. I've got a feeling this is going to be an interesting podcast. We've done one of the five and we're 35 well, we're al- minutes in. Almost one, yes. All right, so that's the definition then. Is there anything else to add around definition? Uh, we need to set governance uh, objectives aligned with the business goals. Yeah, I think so. I mean, mm. all the things we've talked about so far are based upon people coming in from the business and for us checking it. And yep. the, the reason you do that 
why would you do that? Why would you not just say, hey, these are the rules and the governance around OneDrive? Um, um, value, yes. We, we need to drive value for the organization. So if we don't know where that value or what effect that governance is going to have, yeah. we don't know whether it's negative yeah. or a positive value. Yeah. So. I'm actually a big believer in um, when you create a governance document or any kind of other document, every time you, you write down a decision uh, to also define why that is bringing value to your Good organization. Idea. Yeah. yeah. This has been done to identify value within protection of our content and sharing and reducing exactly. the yeah. limitation of yeah. content getting into the wrong hands. Yeah, no, I get that. Yeah. I get that. Nice, 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 nice. Well, All right, so that's the D of drop. The big D. The big yes. D. Hey, man, big D. All right, we're at R for review. Yes. Uh, so we've now talked to members of the business. We clarify uh, who needs to do what in the governance process. We've set our objectives and we have established uh, rules and procedures and policies. Now it's time to um, get all that information that we've put in a nice little document and we need to review that uh, together with our stakeholders. So, yeah. No, I think oh, it's fine. Yeah. And so, yeah, fine. Our, the first step in our review phase is that we would um, engage uh, with the stakeholders to evaluate uh, all the existing uh, governance measures that all that we have right now in place. And I think identifying those stakeholders is key at this point in time. So we talked about the fact you would have wider audience than your steering committee and all yeah. that kind of stuff, and you would do. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, because you don't really want a lot of people in the organization to have to put three hours a month or something around governance uh, but you do want to be able to check in with these people and go, hey, is this as a new policy going to affect the way you work or deliver? Yeah. Um, and uh, you need to be able to spend some time getting that information. Yeah, you could do that with a form, for example. So just send it out to the 100 people that you've been talking to. You say, okay, these are five decisions that we want to make. Would that fly or would you have... Do you see any issues with it? Yes or no? And then they can just go yes or no and then give some feedback. I think that's one very valid way of doing yeah. it. Um, but I also think that if you want to try and kind of uh, compare what you have in place at the moment, mm -hmm. how they do things today, yeah. then I think it might actually require a bit more interaction and, and connected connectivity. And also... Finesse. Finesse, yes, I like that. Uh, but also we talked about governance and adoption a few podcasts ago. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, you're going to get into an argument with me, I know, but, <laughs> but you're kind of kicking off your awareness at this point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you're actually saying, hey, look, you know, we're going to improve our governance and our control and our allocation of documents here. Uh, and you're starting to make people aware of uh, where you need to go. So by yeah. by putting them into the review loop, Mm -hmm. um, and making sure that it makes sense. You're double-checking everything that you've done at the definition stage, uh, but you're also rubber-stamping it with the business, but you're letting them know that, you know, we're starting a campaign that's going to protect the credibility of the organization, that's going to make sure that documents are approved right, left, right, and center, and yeah. the right people are involved. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I see that. I see that. Okay. Cool, cool. Um I guess there's some risk analysis stuff here to think about. 
uh, as well. Uh, but that's probably a kind of an audity kind of function. Uh, but it's worth just doing the usual likelihood effect kind of scenario, maybe even as part of the documentation. So at the review stage, so you, you've basically covered all of your risks. Yeah, so you do want to check uh, how well or how effective your current uh, policies and procedures yeah, are. Yeah, they might not need changing. Yeah, you exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's part of the process. Yeah. So we're reviewing not only the new things that we want to implement, but we're also comparing them to what's in place now and looking for improved value. So we're going to do a fit gap analysis. Of course. Yeah. What we're doing? A fit gap analysis. A fit gap. Yes. Do you actually know what that means? Yes. Tell me. It's where you take a look at what you already have and yeah. where are the gaps. Okay, what's the FID stand for? The f what FIDs and what oh, are the fit. gaps? FIT. <laughs> yes, yeah. not not a FID, but a FID. No, I didn't know. I was trying to work out. Gap. Okay, yeah, yeah sorry, so basically. No, yes. no, no, I agree with you. Uh, gap analysis is important. Yeah. So, yeah, I get it. I thought you were going to come up with some wonderful something. New I thought acronym. this was going to be my new, <laughs> my golden nugget is actually just a me misunderstanding it. All right, oh, I get sorry. It. No, don't apologize. No need to apologize. All righty. I keep getting told off for apologizing. No need for me to apologize. I keep getting told Not off. Not for me. No. We're big boys. You're a well, big boy. Well, one, one more bigger than the other, but still, yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Secrets. So, Secrets. Yes. All right. So that's the review stage. So we've defined it. We've reviewed it. Um, and of course, we find things that don't fit. So yes. we need to do some adoption exactly. here. Yeah. And, and again, it's just an expansion of the loop, really. So um, analysis of the feedback and findings. So if you've done surveys, you know, are you going to change them if 3% of the people say, hey, no, that's going to cost us too much work, you know, or yes or no. So you also need to think about how that, you're going to deal with it, it. It depends on the value. Yeah, yeah, if Those three people are going to come back, but those three people are senior people that represent a very large value chain then it might be worth changing it. Yeah. May well be. Because yeah. the last thing you want to do is to drive it into an organization by force or yeah. because you didn't listen to them uh, mm -hmm. when they kind of got yeah. the opportunity to, to review it and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, that's definitely uh, super important to analyze the feedback. And then of course you need to develop your 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 uh, plan on how you want to address those gaps and how you want to mitigate those risks. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. You you basically want to get to the end of this stage mm -hmm. um, with something that is uh, acceptable across the business, that is delivering real value in the right places across the business, uh, and that is low risk and not not increasing risk anyway. Yeah. Um, and so, yes, you need to adapt it based upon what feedback you get in terms of where you're going. Yeah. Um, and then eventually uh, aligning with any potential business changes that might be coming around the corner mm -hmm. and identifying, you know, regulations. Because that's the whole point of doing this. We want to make sure that once we have this program in place, that it's aligning with everything that we legally need uh, to meet and to do, whether it's the financial practices or personnel practices or just 
quality assurance and yeah. you know to be able to make sure you can your ISO, ISO 9000 yeah, exactly, for yeah. example yeah. is yeah. not going to get compromised yeah. mm -hmm. so there's a lot of work in this space um, and and I think the clever people will actually do a review and adapt combined if they can yeah. so while they're reviewing something they might actually say oh if that doesn't work for you can you please tell us what would mm -hmm. so that you're collecting the right information to generate your uh, uh, the way that you want to change something to make sure the business is aligned to it Exactly. Yeah. All right. Cool. That's very cool. Cool. So um, there we go. Define, review, adapt, and then approve, which I think is kind of self-explanatory. Yes. So you need to present <clears throat> the uh, governance plan uh, to the stakeholders so that they can approve it. And uh, then, of course, uh, you need to make sure that when they approve it, that they also um, give you their commitment that they will be there to support you and support the plan yeah i think supporting is is absolutely important mm -hmm. um i think also we can think about putting some costs in at this place and actually what you know what the change or what the updates or anything else costs are mm -hmm. are going to be so we've mm -hmm. kind of identified them um and uh trying to remove any conflicts uh and uh that, may, that you may see coming from things like workers councils or things like process changes yep. if you're a production organization the last thing your governance needs to do is change the way you make a product oh because no, you know you want to yeah. get involved yeah. with those kinds of things so there's yeah. things like that that mm -hmm. you need to to cover yep. at the approval stage so uh i i it's easy really approval yeah it's just Putting a big giant fat green check mark yeah, on check, the page. Check, yes. And not a chat check. GPT check mark, watermark, <laughs> but a proper no. yes, business um, steering committee uh, check. Yeah, that's mark. cool. And then finally the uh, publishing stage, although I don't think it's the final stage, but it's the mm. publishing stage. Yeah. Um, and I mean it's just basically making sure that these are well communicated in the right kind of place, I think, isn't it? Exactly, so that everybody can learn about the decisions that were made uh, and the, the rules of the game. Yeah, the way that you're going to implement it, the way you're going to make it happen, yeah. the effect it will have on them. Yeah, but this is also, I think, a very critical part because if you're going to list everything up, the document will become pretty hefty. It yeah, will it become will. A, a long document. So you need to make sure that the people that need to read it or that need to find information from it, that they are able to find the right document, but also um, the, the right part of the information uh, very quickly and very easily. No, I agree entirely. I think that the, the whole publishing process needs to be set with a very good solid communication structure and process yeah. plan to make sure that the right people are identified and known and uh, yeah. that it just suddenly doesn't go hanging there on the tree for anybody to look at that can be bothered to go and find it. Yeah. Uh, they need to make sure that uh, it's got everything in place that they need to, to move forward. Otherwise, you're, you're just not going to work things out. Are you going to create this as a big Word document and a PDF or might these also be SharePoint pages, for example? I think that where it's applying for regulations, I think having a good doc solid documentation is, is important. Uh, so then for me at that point, I would create a page that highlights and identifies the key areas, but links back to the original, uh, sorry, links back to the more precise 
description of the of the service yeah. uh, and what it's supposed to look like and operate like. Yeah. For me, that's what yeah. I would think about doing. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. So one of the benefits of putting it into different SharePoint pages is that you could also link to those pages from various other places. For example, if you have a provisioning tool in place, um, if uh, you want to create a specific project template, yep. for example, that you could have a link on there that would say, okay, this is how we uh, define this and this yep. is what's on there. Um, but also, for example, if you want to, let's say you have a process in place where you need to request an external um, guest account, yep. um, that you would also be able to link to that page. This is how you need to do that. This is how many times you need to, um, every six weeks you need to confirm this stuff like that, um, that would just link back to that. No, I, I absolutely agree. I think SharePoint pages are the way to go bar none. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, making sure that they're informative, they're attractive. Yes. People yeah. like it, that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. The thing we shouldn't exclude here, uh, especially at the publishing stage and potentially to think about at the uh, review stage is the end user, uh, the end user level agreement. So the experience level agreement, you know, are we making it more difficult to use the tools that we are supporting? Yeah. So I think that as long as you've covered that at the appropriate time, then get into the publishing stage. Mm -hmm. uh, you shouldn't have a hard sell. It's just about getting them to the right information to make sure they can find it and yeah. make sure this is well searched. Yeah. Um, there's a, a couple of sections at the end here, which I'm not going to cover in any detail, but let's not consider continual improvements. Of course, um, yes. It's things are going to change around them. So you need a process at the end of this where you can republish things and go through a loop if need be. Yeah. So these are things that will need to be discussed at the steering committee, uh, which, no? Okay. No, I was no. shaking my head because I've got this stooping yawning. Oh, okay, So no, okay, I agree okay. with you okay. entirely. Yeah. Any change that you do around publishing and everything mm -hmm. else needs to go with the steering committee. Yeah. Um, and they, they're responsible for these documents too at the end of the day. Yeah. They, mm -hmm. they will be the ones that will have to answer for everything that's been published. Yeah. Do um, you also want to... Um, explain this governance document to your champions to your ambassadors um yeah we talked about stakeholders so i think uh, ambassadors and uh, champions are definitely a key part of that stakeholder work yeah all right yeah cool so that's cool. uh that's the kind of uh, model and methodology that we will be teaching on the 13th of october which is the next iteration of the government workshop yeah. um, one well, sorry, continue. No, I was going to say, and we, we definitely will be focused on the how, the how and the value and, and why we're, we're bringing those yeah. areas. Yeah. And we'll certainly be moving on to thinking more about the roles and responsibilities uh, and recapping all of the kind of uh, uh, hit points and processes. Yeah. And you will be documenting how you would be looking to put this into your organization. Yeah. So you would get to take away a nice uh, action plan, action plan yeah. and yeah. some background and supporting details. Now, when I look at this methodology, one of the things that we've done when we were talking about ATCAR, which is the one, I l the one thing that we did that I loved the most, so the big golden nugget for me when we were talking about ATCAR is when do you know that 
a step is finished and that you're ready to go to the next stage. That is a very, very good point and something that we will certainly be uh, identifying and bringing out on the day itself. Um, Good call. We hadn't thought about that, but I do remember when we was doing that, how long it took us. Oh, yeah. So we we went through the process for... um, awareness for example mm-hmm. and then identified the measurement points for each one uh so i think that that is uh, definite yes mm-hmm. uh, to identify um but at this point in time uh yeah we kind of need some more thinking time to be able to strictly speaking identify them some are easy some are some easy, easy exactly like when you want to go to the approved stage it needs to be written and it needs to be all done yeah, I mean, that's just a yeah. process. Exactly. Uh, and the review stage, I think the risk analysis at the review stage is important. Yeah. So that you can identify what your overall risk figure is mm-hmm. and then decide whether or not you're going to just go with it but improve that year on year. Yeah, So exactly. uh, that's yeah. important. So how do you know when it's fully reviewed? Mm-hmm. Well, when I'm actually ready to launch every document or uh, we're kicking off the build stage. Yeah. Exactly. So the decision has been made to move that forward. So. Mm-hmm. so yes, I agree with that. And we also need to make sure we have, the, as you say, a definition of done for review and adapt and approve and then yep. ready to move on. Good call. All right. Nice. Nice. Whiskey time. I was just going to say. this has been a wicked subject and we're already 53 minutes oh, done. You know, that was that time went in no time at all. Time so, flies when you're having fun. It absolutely does. Are you yes. pouring? I will be pouring if you want. Yeah, All right. Sure. So uh, I will let you do that for a moment too. There's my glass. And I'm just going to steal the box when you take the bottle out. Uh, You've got sure. no spare hands. There we, there we go. go. So every year, um, uh, this distillery uh, over at uh, the Anchor Brewery and stuff over in Mecklen. All right, the Golden Corollas, uh, they issue a special whiskey. Last year's, they I really, really... actually really do too. They make a yearly uh, one that's actually with the number of the year, so the 2019, oh, yeah, 2020, yeah, yeah. But they also this, bring this the out a one. Golden Circle members. Okay. Uh, and this is the Golden Circle members whiskey. So this is cool. So... Um, it's basically when you go to the old brewery over in uh, uh, in Mechelen, they've basically turned it into their whiskey store. Yeah. So the old place where, you know, bottles were made and bottles and beer was brewed and all that kind of stuff. You walk past all these iron gates, which you've got wonderful barrels sitting in the background and the smell of the angel share uh, is it is really really very very cool um but uh, in this particular case for uh, a few exclusive on menyang back armagnac thank you yes. barrels okay not and to so, be mistaken for ammoniac of no course. or brandy uh, yes <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it's not uh, so that's what's been done so basically it'll be in an oak cask that has previously been used to mature brandy or armagnac mm-hmm. and uh, and that is, is an interesting nose mm-hmm. I just stuck it under my nose as I was about to finish a sentence uh, yes ooh it is mm-hmm. <clears throat> I will sit down for this I think yeah so I have to say like every year they bring out that special members uh, edition um, and they're always very, very 
specific, very special. Uh, so last year we had the Palomino, which was uh, cognac barrels, if I'm not mistaken. Um, What's the difference between cognac and armagnac? I have no idea. Okay. There's probably a very big difference, but I've got no idea. Hmm. And um, so this one, yeah. So it's not just been finished on these Armagnac barrels. It's actually been, been stored in, been there, for in there for 78 months. Yeah, for six years they've been in there. So they've gotten a lot of that Armagnac flavor and notes uh, are all very heavily on there. Yeah, it has. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it really is very kind of fruity. It's it is. very sweet. Uh, yes, I I I already had a little taste when I got them yesterday, um, and I have to say I think it's a little soury even. On the taste or on the nose? On the or? nose and the taste, so it's a it's got a few sour hints as well. I don't know. I'm gonna go for a, a big sip. Mm -hmm. Wow, that is. Rather interesting. It is. It's it, every edition that they bring out is very specific and and interesting indeed. Yes. I tell you what has not disappeared. The oakiness of the beer that is the original. Yes, you can that still is taste very much the. In there. So because we also taste the the the, the normal version of this, um, you can definitely taste those base notes that, that are still in there, yeah. Well, basically the way that this brewery works is that it takes the mash from the beer mm -hmm. and distills it. Yeah. Which a lot of the breweries that do whiskey are, are doing a similar thing. Uh, I don't know which beer it is, but I would guess this is... I, I'm going to sit there and say it kind of tastes like a distilled triple blonde here or double blonde. <laughs> it does... <laughs> But it's yeah. definitely a taste you mm -hmm. don't miss. It's quite unusual. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It is very well done. It's very well made. It's very rounded. It's not harsh. Um, it's very oily. Yes. I was just swirling around in my glass and I could see the, oh. the big fat tears dripping down. No, uh, oh. but you've got that big mouth taste that you talk about quite exactly. a lot. Exactly. That's what I um. love about whiskeys. Yeah. Definitely you can taste the beer, which I actually really quite love. Uh, You've got two bottles of this, haven't you? Mm -hmm. Are you investing the other one? I suppose I could actually try and buy them. So oh, I yeah, can, you, uh, can, you can just buy them. Can, I've got the email, so. Yeah, so they were members only, but you can just buy them. You can even buy their um, last year's version as well. This is rather cool. Are in, um, um, they are, um, how do you call that, um, limited? But they're limited to 6,000 bottles. Yeah, yeah. So it's not that limited, to be honest. I kind of like it. I, it it's got a... I, I love that beer thing. Um, that's really, really... I've never t tasted that so strong. Other than that one they did for the King's Day about 18 months oh, ago. That yeah. was so that was precisely superb. magic. Yes. Uh, but that was done with a very dark beer. Mm -hmm. But I can also get um, um, peaches and, and sort of... Are these peaches? So here on the tasting notes, they say pronounced hints of raisin, vanilla, and licorice. So the licorice is definitely on there. 
Yeah. And a mellow finish. No, it's a very mellow drink. Yeah. Yeah. So this is one that you can drink when it's 35 degrees outside, nice and hot. I think so. After the barbecue, yeah. It's not got a very long finish on it. No, it's mellow. It kind of disappears after 15 seconds or so. It still keeps lingering a little bit. Yeah, but it's still a single dimension at that point. Yes. How much is it? Out of a, it's 50 centiliter, isn't it? Uh, 50 centiliter, yeah. yeah. I think it's a 75 or an 80 That's euros uh, bottle. Yeah. So it's 100 euros for a full-size bottle mm. kind of thing. So yeah. that's the price it's in. Yeah. You said you weren't ever really convinced about it, but I actually think it's quite unusual and nice. But I like it different is. whiskies. No, it is unusual um, and, and nice. It's just like the Palomino last year, uh, which was also very unusual. Yeah. Um, but for some reason... If I was there and I had all, let's say I had all the bottles at home, what would be the bottle that I would get to if I have to choose one every night would probably be the default one or maybe even the slightly peated one. The Burnbrook or something. Yeah, the Blasbrook or something. Blasbrook, yeah. Something yeah. Like that. But I still think that the normal one, is it's still my favorite because it's so... Uh, it 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 has so many caramel flavors. No, nah, I'm not sure about I, that. I, love I, that. I, I haven't I haven't got a bottle of it. I'm not. Oh. I wasn't a big fan when I tasted it. Mm-hmm. I personally, of their bridge, I like the rum finish one, the Baz Bar, the blue one, the light turquoisey blue box from yeah. last year. Um, yes. And I managed to pick up. I only managed to pick a box up because they had some returned from mm-hmm. uh, because they double ordered. Yeah. That one I do like, but yeah. I like rum finishes so. Oh. Uh, I'm I'm kind of convinced this is a good whiskey. Oh, and, it and is I can a good feel, whiskey. I, I get that sourness it's, you talk about. Yeah, but I think it's balanced nicely against the kind of um, I, I say peaches, but it's very light peaches um, taste. And then the beer comes along and blows it away. Wow. I, I just love that. It's a bit like a stout. Yeah, without the chocolate tones. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, and I think that's probably what you're missing. Yes. That balance. Yeah, I think so. No. But you're right. It actually does taste like a good blonde triple beer, mm. actually. Very nice. I think mm-hmm. a little congratulations are in order here because this is primarily a brewery. Yes. With um, what is becoming a sensible whiskey contribution to that organization absolutely yes. and i remember when we went the t- on the tour a few father's days ago yes the guy said that the chairman of the organization is very much into the beer but his son mm-hmm. is very much looking at fixing the whiskey and i think that that attention to the detail is kind of coming through yeah 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 i i, I love how they're doing it i mean they've got very specific uh looks of a bottle yeah so the bottle looks very specific um i think marketing is done on point um they're all very good very well made whiskies um you can see that they have not been making a lot of concessions no regarding quality um so i'm i'm yeah it's 
It is my favorite distillery in Belgium. It is, yeah. Well, it's not mine, but I, I really like the Wild Weasel. I yeah. love the Wild mm-hmm. Weasel. But I really need to try and get over there again uh, and uh, take a trip over there. Yep. See what else they're doing. But uh, that was good. Well, good choice, my friend. Thank you very much indeed for bringing that uh, for tasting. I think that that was well worth it. No problem. Absolutely well worth it. This was an interesting podcast, wasn't it? It was. What was your golden nugget? What is the one that sort of stood out for you around this kind of methodology that said, you know, that's the one I'm going to take away? For me, is writing down why this decision makes sense and derives value for the business. Uh, writing that down in your governance document, I think that is for me a golden nugget and a standard that I'm going to using the in my next uh, governance document that I write. Okay, can't think where that's going to be for. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's fine. I get that. I get that. I quite like the risk stuff. So I think that, that we don't do enough risk around governance, and that's one of the things I'll be stressing on the, the day of the course, I think, is that you know we need a good risk methodology for assessing whether this governance is going to have a negative effect on the business, whether it's going to have a positive effect on the control or management of the content, uh, and then basically um, how will the process be adopted and whether adopting that process is again a negative or a positive risk so i quite like the the risk stage of the the review area i think that's do we want to add like a rating a risk rating for every decision that we make Uh, possibly possibly i think that if you just do a simple baseline risk assessment so the likelihood of of something being negative Mm -hmm. and the effect of implementing that governance gives you a number yeah. So, and exactly. I think that that number is worth then saying. If the number is between seven and nine, mm-hmm. then that means the risk is too high, and you're going to need to try and identify which you of those areas. You need to take areas. some extra steps or extra approvals, or you might need like to that. to loosen it off. Yeah. So it could well be that actually this has got a high possibility of affecting the way we make our product or sell our trains or mm-hmm. sell our cars. Yeah. Or so we might need to have a. A CEO approval on that, for example. Uh, or we weaken it and yeah. we work out what can be accepted in that space to sort mm-hmm. of take away the edge. True, yeah. So, But I quite like that. That's oh. that's for me is uh, an interesting one, that feedback loop, but that risk assessment mm-hmm. at the time. And the point about doing that risk assessment is you could do the risk assessment before you send it out to the business to get their feedback. Um, and then consequently, you can adjust and resend it out for different kinds of feedback. Yeah. Anyway, that was my takeaway. All right. That's cool. my area. All righty. Cool. Uh, I like that a lot. This is a good podcast. Um, of course. So when you get this, we'll be on holiday, or Moraine certainly will be. Uh, I'm yeah. not going until September uh, when I go and work out what I want to do with my barrel of whiskey. Uh-huh. And so that's what I'm planning to do in September. So I will be around in August. Uh, you may get a few um, wee drams. Yes. Uh, so uh, just to cover the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, there it was. DRAP, Define, Review, Adapt, Approve and Publish. The methodology from the Office 365 Distilled Podcast. Uh, and if you want to dig down deep, come and join us. It's only 70 euros a shot. And pounds. we're going to be at the South Coast Summit. Pounds. Pounds. 
Oh, that's a good call. Because we will be in the UK. Uh, and there will be no export or import costs, even though we will be bringing it from Belgium. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yes, and that's the South Coast Summit. And you can go onto the South Coast Summit website now and you can book your place. And the last time we looked, there were only 10 or 9 places available. Something like that, yes. Uh, but it's small, it's cosy. We mm-hmm. only have about 20 people in there. We have quite a, a small number. Mm-hmm. And you get to ask lots and lots of questions yep. and discuss uh, a lot of the outcomes from it. Uh, and the idea is that you have takeaway value and you can get started to implement this as soon as you get back into your organization. Sure. So there you go, Baseline Governance uh, Workshop uh, from Stephen Moraine. And that will be on the 13th of October, 2023. Don't wait too long. Those tickets are going to disappear quickly. Yeah. Because, nice. shh, shh, don't tell anybody. But it's our five-year birthday party that weekend. So as Moraine likes to tell people, "Eh, there might be some whiskey involved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There might be. Last year, there was. Yes. Last year, we ended up in the boardroom tasting, oh, that amazing milk and honey. uh, Yeah, the uh, Apex, Apex. Yeah. uh, Yeah, Yeah, six or eight of us had a a comparison whiskey tasting. So that might possibly happen again. We'll see. Probably. Yes. Mm. All right. All right. Say goodbye, Marine. Ciao, ciao. Bye, guys. <laughs>